This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Thursday, April 15th, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and a bit of absurdity. Hoping you and yours are doing well, life is treating you nicely, and that if it isn't, you're putting it in its place as you should. It's a Thursday edition of the podcast. Already been a very busy day for little old me. I've been, uh, let's see, since about 5.30 this morning. It's 8 now, Central, as we record. Since about 5.30 this morning, with voice tracking and chasing stories and doing things. And uh, it all has to do with the project I've been hinting about. And uh, we'll talk about that today. I'll... Uh, I'll let you know everything about what's happening with the project and what it is and how you can find it and everything because today is announcement day for that pro- project, uh, letting you know when it's all going to go live and everything. And social media got blitzed today, and uh, and we've had a lot of feedback from some great people about it, and we're still we're still honestly we're still working out some mechanics, some little technical things, but. On the whole, everything is really, really good. That's all I can say right now, but we'll get to that. Um, Also, Tucker Carlson is under attack. Go figure. I mean, the guy goes on every night and basically tells the truth. I don't always 100% of the time agree with Tucker Carlson. I don't 100% of the time agree with everybody or anybody, really. It's just, and that's the way it is. If you you agree with anybody 100% of the time, you need to do a little (laughs) self-examination. (laughs) <laughs> but Tucker Carlson um, is under attack, and we'll look into that. There's a handful of stories about different things going on. Also, um, the coronavirus and COVID-19, we may have time to talk a bit about that. It seems that there's a poll out that says about half of Republicans say they will never get the COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm curious about you. Are you, are, are you in that camp or not? Are you? And uh, let's see, there's a bill to to make Washington, D.C. a state. It is headed towards a House vote. Of course, it will pass. It will pass. And it'll hit a big challenge in the Senate. We'll have to see how that pans out. But there is a reason the the federal capital is not a state. There is a reason for that. And you should do some digging and research on that. And all of this talk about it being unfair is just more emotional claptrap from the left. Um, Also... Will there ever be an end to the pandemic? Will there ever, ever, ever be an end to the camp uh, the, <laughs> the pandemic? Mark, I, I promise I can speak. It's, it's a question I think we're all asking ourselves. Do we see an end in sight anywhere? And I just don't know if we do. But we'll look at that, hopefully, if we have time. First up, before anything else is uh, is uh, approached, um, the project. I've been hinting about it for a while. I've been telling you. I've been working on it. And I've told you, the. I think the most I've told you is that it's a business. And uh, that is true. And if you, if you actually go look at linkreport.us to get your show notes every day, you will have seen something that I posted there about, I posted a link to the project. And if you followed the link, you probably said, oh, well, thanks, but 
gee, thanks, <laughs> because all it was was a, a placeholder page on, on a website. And uh, that placeholder page has been replaced. So if you had gone, if you did go to linkreport.us and look at that link, go back and look at that link again. And you will see that today that link reveals everything that's going on with the project. And what is the project? The project is a web radio station. It is a fully online radio station available to listeners everywhere in the continental United States. Well, everywhere in the United States, Canada, and the UK. We have licensing for North America and the United Kingdom. And we can broadcast to, to all of that area. All of that area. We are based in, um, in Birmingham, Alabama. And we will talk about things in our neighborhood, but we will also talk about things that affect people everywhere we are heard. And it's not a talk radio station. It's a music radio station. It's called liferadio.fm, liferadio.fm, L-I-F-E-R-A-D-I-O dot F-M. <laughs> and it's funny. On the LLC papers, when, they when we did the registration for the LLC, it, 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 they spent, they broke it out into life, a separate word, radio, separate word, dot, separate word, FM, life, radio, dot FM. And that's what it says on the LLC, but online it's all run together, life, radio, dot FM. So if you have access to your browser, run over there today and you will see a little, uh, a little slideshow running about, about the, the place itself. And, um, and I, let me just read to you what it says. <clears throat> excuse me, what it says on the front page. After months of planning and long days of design and scheduling, liferadio.fm, your best source for great Christian music, laughter, and more, is about to go live for listeners in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. On Monday, April 19th, Life Radio FM will open our doors and welcome listeners everywhere to enjoy what we believe is the best mix of Christian music to be found anywhere. Also, this page will change over to the active main page, of liferadio.fm, which will include ways to make requests and send us voice messages. Also, there will be more information about the station and the hosts who will keep you company every weekday. It's safe to say we're very excited. We hope you are too. Life Radio FM is being built from the ground up with you in mind because your story should have a soundtrack. Your soundtrack is special. It reflects what's truly important to you, and it's filled with songs of life, which should be shared. If you haven't already, be sure to check to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for upcoming announcements and tell your friends liferadio.fm is coming. And as far as hosts, uh, that's where I come in. My, my old friend and partner, Dave Mack, and I are reviving the Mark and Mack show. We're bringing it back. We'll be hosting every morning from 6 o'clock until 10 Central Time on Life Radio. Or 5, actually, it's 5 to, no, it's 6 to 10. <laughs> where's my notes it's six to ten every day and um we're looking at repeating that after midnight about you know so it starts again around 2 a.m and runs until 6 a.m and the reason is because i know from past experience that there are a lot of people who work overnight in hospitals and places like that who listen to the radio they've got the earbuds in and they're listening as they work at night and um and uh I used to I used to work an overnight shift and I had a bunch of people, a lot of people who listened to my show all night long. And I know that was there. And on top of that, over in the UK, one of our coverage areas, 
they're uh, six hours ahead of us. So their morning starts at around 2 a.m. for us. The morning show will start for them. The 6 a.m. hour will be our 2 a.m. hour. So what happens, say, today will be tomorrow morning show in the U.K. So uh, we're, we're excited about it. We've been working on it, uh, as the page says, we've been working on it for a while. We've actually been listening to it ourselves, the two of us, and a handful of people that we're calling our beta test group. We've, we've shared the link with a, a handful of people and asked them to li- listen and give us feedback. And um, we've been listening to the music mix. We've been listening to how the different elements flow. We've been listening to everything for eh, roughly a month and refining everything so that we've got it to where we want it to be. And it's pretty much there. It's uh, one of the things about radio. I have a lot of trouble listening to radio because I listen analytically because I was in, I have been in around in and around radio for a long time. And so I tend to listen to it from an analytical, an analytical, an analytical perspective. <laughs> and I tend to ask, well, why did they do that? And I get stuck on that, and I don't enjoy what I'm listening to because I'm analyzing it. And I find myself reaching for the button if I'm listening to the radio, unless there's something that is intellectually compelling that I'm trying to keep track of. And um, when I listen to this, I've been listening to this mix for the, the last several weeks, handful of weeks. When I listen to this, I don't want to change the station. That's one of the things I told Dave, who's been working on the mix for a while i told dave when i listened to the first sample cut of what the mix could sound like actually no the second sample cut i have to be honest with you, the first sample cut was really bad and there are reasons for that that i won't get into but it, it didn't have anything to do with how we were arranging the the way the music flowed it was it was it was other things anyway the second one when i heard that second one i drove around in my car out running errands that day and i realized he, he had it running from a laptop um, over at liferadio.fm. He had it running online, and I was listening to it, and I realized I wasn't feeling that urge to hit the button, as I usually do when I listen to music radio. It was keeping me engaged, and I hope, I hope it will keep you engaged as well, that you'll feel the same way. So today... Make it a point to run over there to liferadio.fm and uh, take a gander at that placeholder page. There's just a slideshow running there right now, pretty much. But at the bottom of the page, if you scroll down, you'll see it says, Stay informed, sign up for the liferadio.fm newsletter. Click here. And if you click there, it will take you to a place you can sign up to get a newsletter. And a newsletter went out to those who have already subscribed this morning. So one newsletter has already gone out. You could be getting the next one to stay informed about what hap- what's happening inside, inside the walls, so to speak, of liferadio.fm. And that is the project. It's a radio station, a radio station that isn't a radio station, but still broadcasts to the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. And uh, we're excited about it. And everybody I've shared it with, is like, oh, really? Really? Because they remember what life was like back when we used to do this several years ago on a local basis. And we 
Dave and I did music radio, and it was really talk intensive. Our, our talk breaks tended to be long, but we got very serious about some topics, and then we laughed a lot about a lot of different things. And that is kind of where my that's kind of where my um, my perception of absurdity in life comes from, because you have to be able to laugh about how absurd things are or you you're just going to be angry and you're not going to make any friends that way. And if you are an influencer in life, if you think you're going to influence other people's lives with your life and you're angry at the world around you, the only influence you're going to have is that you're going to be driving people away from you. And that's something you need to remember every day. So we laugh a lot about life and that's an important thing. A very, very important thing. So go over there and check that out today. LifeRadio.fm. Sign up for the newsletter. And then Monday morning, when you get up, slide back over there again and take a look. There will be a player on the page. You can click the play button and listen to the station right there. If you have an Android phone, there will be an app available on the Google Play Store in the app section. And if you just look up liferadio.fm and you'll find our app there, which is a player and also shows you all of the tracks. It shows you the music history, what's happening there. And you can, you can actually uh, scan through the playlist and see what's happened. And you know how this happens. You hear something and you go, God, what was that? What was that song? What was the name of that song? And, well, you can actually scan back through the playlist and find that song and you'll know what it is. Um, when the website actually goes up on Monday, there will be a way to request songs. You can actually make a request on the website. And there's a place over on the left edge of the page that says send a voice message. So you can actually call us. And that is, in itself is cool. So who knows? You could end up being part of the Mark and Max show on Monday if you'll check in at liferadio.fm. As we officially launch the station this coming Monday, April 19th, it's liferadio.fm. Get on board, spread the word, let your friends know. It's good. Trust me, you're going to like it a lot. And so are your friends. We'll be back and talk about the serious stuff and the absurdities when the Daily Perspective continues. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast for Thursday, April 15th, 2021. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. Yesterday was a crazy day. Personal matters just for a moment here. I mowed grass at lunch with my mom and basically buried myself in work on liferadio.fm. And uh, it was one of those days where I, I hit the end of the day. It's like it's like 5 o'clock. I've been going since 4.30 a.m. I hit 5 o'clock and I went upstairs. And I, uh, the studio, I, it, I have a home studio and, and that's where everything happens. I talk about the studio a lot. And, but I work out of here. It's a place of business. And, and uh, so I finished my day. I clocked out, so to speak. 
and uh, I headed upstairs and, um, I changed clothes. I put on my, I put on my track pants and, and a t-shirt and, and sat down. I grabbed a, I grabbed a nice cold bottle of water and sat down in my, in my chair and grabbed the remote control and, and turned on, uh, uh, the, the motor trend app, uh, the motor trend, uh, thing on Apple TV and, and, uh, fired up, uh, some, a dirt everyday episode and the dog starts barking and my wife, Jane comes up the stairs and says, Hey, can we go to the bank? <laughs> I mean, I have just finished. I have been out mowing grass. I've been working in the yard. I've been working in here. I've been out at my mom's taking care of stuff. I've been doing uh, hauling stuff back and forth. I've been, it's been one of those days that was like 13 hours long of just not, I was constantly doing constantly. Either I was physically or mentally just boom, just going. And I sat down at the end of it and thought, I wonder why Jane's so late. And, and she comes in the door and wants to go someplace. And what it was, was the, uh, the stimulus check finally came, got to go put it in the bank. So, so we, we go to, we go. and by the way, that's another thing. Why was it that the Trump administration could just drop that puppy in your bank account? And they did it quickly. But the Biden administration, for some reason, can't do that. They got to send you a check and they make excuses about it. Oh, anyway, but, uh, so we ended up doing that and going and finding a bite to eat and, and, and then getting back home and, and collapsing and <laughs> what a long day yesterday. It's been, it's been a few weeks of long days just recently, um, because the schedule is changing. We're, we're doing work on the station. Dave and I are early in the mornings, um, and, and working out the, the mechanics of the systems of how to make certain things happen. And this, it's just making for some very long days, but it's good. And, and as part of that, I'm realizing that my record time for this podcast is going to have to shift a bit. So that means instead of, instead of doing the live 8 AM feed to Facebook, I'm probably going to be doing this at nine instead of eight central. Um, it's not going to affect much else, but it's just, it just takes a certain amount of time to get things done every morning. As far as the, our morning show is concerned, and I, and I'm just going to have to shift my time. So maybe nine or 10 before I start doing a, the, the podcast setup, but it'll still go out to podcast subscribers every day. Yeah, you won't miss it. It'll be out there every day is until I, and I, and I have to be honest with you, there is probably going to come a point in time, a line, which will be crossed, which will mean that I'm so busy with the, with the other thing that at some point I'm just going to have to shake hands and thank you and say goodbye because there's only so much I, I want to be consumed with. And as much as I enjoy this, part of the reason that I do this is because, um, I need a daily creative outlet and I need a way to express what I see happening and such. And that's going to be happening over at liferadio.fm. So I would encourage you, to shift over to liferadio.fm on Monday and start getting your little updates about things there because we'll talk about the issues of the day as well as funny stories and, and the like. The guy who found 15,000 bees in the backseat of his Buick. How? Just how? How do you? How? How? Anyway, <laughs> that's all coming. Well, Tucker Carlson is under attack, isn't he always? He, he goes on Fox News at night and he tells the truth and 
of course, people who are inconvenienced by the truth are up in arms about him. And the upper other day, he had the nerve, the nerve, I say, to make the points I'm about to quote here in a discussion with Mark Stein, very funny guy. The topic was the replacement of voters and one culture with a population of new voters and another culture. And this is, this is something we've talked about here before and something that people on the right, people who are conservative, are seeing happening. We understand that what the left is doing is that they're allowing the border to be porous. They're allowing people to pour into our country. They want people to come here from other places who don't understand how our country works because those people will vote for them because they won't understand that the, the leftists, the Democrat Party, is a pack of liars that are just lying to them to get their votes so that they can be in power and control. Now, let's see what, uh, let's see. Uh, this is what Tucker said. He said, I'm laughing because this is one of about 10 stories that I know you've covered where the government shows preference to people who have shown absolute contempt for our customs, our laws, our system itself, and they're being treated better than American citizens. Now, I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter became, become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement. If you su suggest that the Democrat Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they became hysterical because that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. It's true. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who live here. Or live there. So every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a current voter. So I don't understand what we don't understand. Because, I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Oh, you know, the white replacement theory? No, no, no. This is a voting right question. I have less political power because they are importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? The power that I have as an American, guaranteed at birth, is one man, one vote. And they are diluting it. No, they're not allowed to do it. Why are we putting up with this? Like clockwork, Tucker's left-wing critics attacked. Here's the headline from the Washington Post. ADL demands Fox News fire Tucker Carlson over anti-Semitic trope. This has deadly significance, the quote says. The story focused on the remarks of the Anti-Defamation League's Jonathan Greenblatt, the chief executive and national director of the ADL, um, and no one, in no accident, one suspects, a former operative in both the Clinton and Obama administrations. Mr. Greenblatt told CNN's Brian Stelter, I think we've really crossed a new threshold when a major news network dismisses this or pretends like it isn't important. This has deadly significance. Also on CNN was Dan, uh, was da, anchor Don Lemon, Don Lemon, with a similar attack on Tucker Carlson. Lemon says, "We we got to talk about what's happening over on the propaganda network, the Fox propaganda network. I don't concern myself with what the other guys are doing, but let me tell you why I'm doing this because this is the mainstreaming of white supremacist propaganda." to your neighbors and your family members. And it's coming from Tucker Carlson, who is promoting the so-called replacement theory. Theory is uh, really too good a word for it. It's a lie. The lie that liberal elites are plotting to replace the white population with immigrants of color. Okay, got it. Duly noted. To oppose the replacement of one culture or set of voters with another is both racist and anti-Semitic. But wait! 
with an almost blissful unawareness, neither Jonathan Greenblatt nor Don Lemon seems aware that the staunchest opponents of replacing populations with the others are people with names like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Senators Bernie Sanders and Cory Booker, and yes, indeed, the lefty filmmaker Spike Lee, an African-American. They are progressives, one and all. Say what? Yeah, all of these dastardly people, and oh so many more, progressives, one and all, are staunch opponents of a replacement theory known as gentrification. Yeah, see, there's a word you've heard, right? What is gentrification? It's described here in a Quillette piece, headlined this way. Why do progressives hate gentrification? Here's what part of that story says. The word gentrification was coined in 1964 to describe the influx of wealthy newcomers into low-income inner-city neighborhoods, resulting in rising property values, changes in neighborhood culture, and displacement of original residents. Though gentrification predates the modern era, it has only become the target of criticism in recent decades, as cities like Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Boston have witnessed rapid transformations. Opponents of gentrification have ranged from residents directly affected by it to wealthy college students directly responsible for it, as well as prominent Democrats such as Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And we'll get into more of the reasoning behind the opposition to gentrification in just a minute. I think this is interesting information. I think you need to know it. Because you keep hearing about the evils of gentrification, but you don't know what it is. And when you realize they're talking about the same thing they're advocating, well... Wow, it's hard to believe. Already halfway. It's been that kind of week, you know. It's just like, wait, what time is it? (laughs) Gotta be honest, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Really looking forward to this weekend. Oh my goodness. And if you stand on your tiptoes and stick your nose up in the air and look, oh, I can just see it from here. Okay, let's go back to what we were talking about, gentrification. I've heard leftist liberals use that term for ages, it seems, forever. Oh, the the gentrification of this part of town is terrible. It's awful. The gentrification's evil. Evil, I tell you. And I thought, wait a minute, what do you mean? There's all these rich people moving in. um, Okay, and... The, the them improving the neighborhood is bad because and they they just think it's evil and the thing is that they assume that the people who live there at the time when these people start moving in and improving the neighborhood and increasing the property values will not be able to take to take advantage of the general increase in the value of their property and take advantage of that to improve their property and their state in life, which is something that's entirely possible. But no. Okay, now here. Back to what we were talking about. Critics of gentrification give two main reasons for their opposition. One, wealthy newcomers drive up monthly rents, thereby displacing original residents. And two, rapid change to neighborhood culture represents an injustice to original residents. Both critiques are magnified by the presumed skin color of the uh, gentrifiers and the gentrified who tend to be white and black or Hispanic, respectively. 
Now, let, let's go back to the culture, the rapid change to neighborhood culture. And that's part of the leftism. It's like this, the culture itself, this culture is so sacred that, well, how dare you replace it with anything else? How dare you infringe upon that? Well, what if the culture is crime? What if the culture is danger to the citizens who live there? What if the culture is that the buildings are falling apart, that the homes are running down, and that this infusion of new life actually revives that area? What's wrong with that? If the, if the culture is, is contributing to the downfall of the area, and people, and trust me, this is what is happening. People are moving away from those areas into the suburbs to get away from the crime and to get away from the rot. If that's happening, why is it a bad thing that those areas have an influx of money and new life? Why? It's because the left must maintain some form of victim status for the people who embrace it. That's why. Now, here's a passage from... uh, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, we were eight years in power. This is an example, okay? Quote, I know that gentrification is but a more pleasing name for white supremacy. Is the interest uh, on ins- is the interest on enslavement, the interest on Jim Crow, the interest on redlining, compounding across the years, and these new urbanites living off of that, uh, that interest are, all of them, exulting in a crime. To speak the word gentrification is to immediately lie. So the attitude from the left is that gentrification is white supremacy. And if you don't already know it, white supremacy is a lie itself. It is a lie. It's just a perpetuation of victimhood by the left. And this is also to say, exactly as Tucker Carlson is saying, progressives believe gentrification is all about importing a brand new electorate and diluting the political power of the people who live there in those neighborhoods, which is to say, diluting the political power of progressives. And apparently, unbeknownst to Jonathan Greenblatt and Don Lemon, progressives are flatly opposed to this. Progressives like Representative Ocasio-Cortez who tweeted, gentrification represents a potent issue at the intersections of economic, social, and racial justice. It's about political corruption, foreclosing and rising rent, criminal justice, immigration, organizing, and more. Addressing it in a time when it's considered taboo is powerful. Wow. Now, isn't this exactly what Tucker Carlson's doing? He's talking about the replacement of one population with another. And that's what they're against when it comes to the neighborhoods, the poor neighborhoods, the neighborhoods which are falling apart, the neighborhoods which are dependent on those government checks and as such are in, they're beholden to the government. Um, then there's over at New York Magazine, Spike Lee. He, there was this rant against, against gentrification. We've been here. Among other things, the famous lefty filmmaker was ranting about is in, in an expletive-filled seven-minute rant is this. Then comes the mother-effing Christopher Columbus syndrome. You can't discover this. We've been here. 
You just can't come and bogart. There are there were brothers playing bleeping African drums drums in Mount Morris Park for forty years, and now they can't do it anymore because the new inhabitants said the drums are loud. My father's a great jazz musician. He bought a house in the nineteen in nineteen bleepy bleepy sixty eight, and the bleepy bleepy people moved in last year and called the cops on my father. He's not. He doesn't even play electric bass. It's acoustic. We bought the bleeping the house in 1960 bleeping eight. And now you call the cops in 2013, get the bleep out of here. I mean, they just move into the, in the neighborhood. You just can't come in the neighborhood. I'm, I'm for democracy and letting everybody live, but you got to have some respect. You can't just come in when people have a culture that's been laid down for generations and you come in and now bleep got to change cause you're here. Get the bleep out of here. Can't do that. Spike Lee. Tucker Carlson on steroids? Who knew? By Don Lemon and Jonathan Greenblatt standards, Spike Lee and Representative Ocasio-Cortez are, yes, indeed, racial bigots and anti-Semites. In fact, progressive opposition to replacing populations and cultures with accompanying political changes is common, very common, from New York to Seattle, from Washington, D.C. to Detroit, to support the essence of exactly what Tucker Carlson's saying about attempts to replace one culture with another is progressive doctrine. In Los Angeles and around the country, progressive protests against gentrification and the replacement of one culture with another have even turned violent. Here's a report from the Huffington Post. The headline, A new generation of anti-gentrification radicals are on the march in Los Angeles and around the country. Perhaps the best places to look for signs of growing national momentum, however, are Chicago and Austin, Texas. Here's part of the story. The protest at Mariachi Plaza didn't seem at first like a declaration of war. In fact, the February 7th event looked like the same sort of grassroots anti-gentrification gathering that might have taken place in any big American city at any point over the past 10 years as higher income transplants have increasingly colonized lower income urban communities, remaking once marginalized neighborhoods into their own cold brew and kombucha image. And I think that's enough to illustrate the point. Gentrification is evil in the eyes of progressives. And yet, they're doing essentially the same thing in reverse by bringing in the poorest of the poor and those who will be dependent upon the government to shape the society into something they want it to be. And that is what's happening. Because they know that as these people cross the border, they will be told, we're going to take care of you. And then the, the politicians will come and speak to them and tell them, if you want to keep receiving the checks, if you want to keep receiving the free education, if you want to keep receiving the free health care, you got to keep electing the people who are bringing it to you. We're looking out for you. It's not a stretch of the imagination to know that this is happening, to admit that this is happening, because it is. We have a president. Please remember, we have a president in office right now who said this. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. You should come. We'll take care of you. We'll feed you. We'll house you. We'll clothe you. We'll educate your children, and we'll take care of your health care. 
and so they come. And it's not just because they're oppressed people in horrible situations. It's because the politicians inviting them to come know that these people will vote for them and keep them in office. And they will vote for more of them so that they have more power and more control. And once a certain line is crossed, there's no going back. Because enough people will have the vote in America that will vote for Democrats. Now, it's been proposed in the past, and I don't disagree with this, that, okay, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Come on. Come on. Understand, though, one condition of you coming here, we're going to take care of you. We understand life is bad. We understand the cartels are killing people. We understand. We know all of the dirt. We know what's happening. So we open our arms to you and say, come. But here's the thing. This is going to sound terrible to some people, but I'm going to say it. You have to learn the language. You must communicate. You have to, you have to earn a driver's license. You have to do, you have to become part of the country and you will not be able to vote until certain lines are crossed. One of those lines being a timeline. You can't vote for five years after coming here. The reason being is that we want you to be part of us. We don't want you voting for values which are not American values. So we want you to be an American in order to participate in the American process of the vote. And that happens once you've established yourself here and you've met the following criteria. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think it's entirely reasonable. But leftists will scream. That's not right. You can't keep these people from voting. Just like right now in Georgia, they're screaming that people are being disenfranchised, deprived of voting. You should see the campaign emails I'm getting from the Democrats right now about Georgia. You should see the lies they're telling. And the, the reason they're pitching a fit is because the laws just keep criminals from voting. They keep frauds from voting. They secure the sanctity of the vote for people who are law-abiding citizens. And the left knows, as I've told you before, that unless they can cheat and change the rules of the game, they'll never win. And they're looking, in this instance, for just another way to change the rules of the game so they can win. to wrap up this Thursday, April 15th edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Started off talking, well, not started off, but we were talking about Tucker Carlson being under attack. And the reason he is under attack is because he's telling the truth and the truth is extremely inconvenient for the left. And so what they do is they label it as propaganda, as Don Lemon did on CNN. Now, we know that CNN is deeply compromised. We know that they've been lying to the American people. They know we've been making up stories. We know that their focus is on sensationalism. Just look at the what's been released by Project Veritas in the last 24 hours. It, not only did we learned 
in the previous day that they were making up things about Donald Trump. Now we know that CNN um, is focused on scaring people, frightening people, because that's what holds people's attention. I suggest you just go look at pro- what Project Veritas has published in the last 24 hours, and you'll see what I'm talking about when Jeff Zucker tells the producers of what's happening on the air. I, I don't see anything there that's holding me that makes me want to stay. Put those uh, put the death numbers back up again, talking about COVID. That's riveting stuff. People that'll that'll hold people's attention, and that's what I've been telling you for how long? How long have I been telling you sensationalism and audience numbers? It's what the news business is all about. That's all they care about. And so when Don Lemon calls what Tucker Carlson says propaganda, you know Tucker Carlson's striking a nerve, and. It's important to know that. The Washington Post has been obsessed with Tucker Carlson. Six days, 11 articles condemning him. 11 articles in six days at the Washington Post. I'll include that article in in the show notes today, okay, over at linkreport.us. I'll include that. You You need to see that article from Newsbusters, okay? But Tucker Carlson is also talking about other things like the pandemic and he is not saying anything that others aren't for example rand paul a doctor a medical expert has just has publicly said dr fauci's full of it he in well in without mincing words he's pretty much said yeah he uh, fauci's full of it well, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci appeared on CNN's New Day yesterday. Host John Berman asked Dr. Fauci if Tucker Carlson's questions about the COVID vaccines were causing vaccine hesitancy among his viewers and potentially others. Berman asked, quote, do you, do you know there's an issue, this issue of vaccine hesitancy out there, broadly speaking, and not just about Johnson & Johnson, but about vaccines in general? One of the reasons is, uh, is some of the things people say. I mean, last night, I want to read you. I don't want to play it because I'm not sure that that helps the cause here of saving lives. Something that TV personality Tucker Carlson said on TV about vaccines in general. He said, if the vaccine, if vaccines are effective, there's no reason for people who have received the vaccine to wear masks or avoid physical contact. So maybe it doesn't work. And that they're simply not telling you that. Let me repeat it that again. So maybe it doesn't work and they're simply not telling you that. What do you have to say to Tucker Carlson? Fauci then replied, yeah, that's just typical crazy conspiracy theory. Why wouldn't we tell people if it doesn't work? Look at the data. The data are overwhelming in the three vaccines that have been approved for use in an emergency use authorization. The Johnson and Johnson, the Pfizer, the Moderna, you had 30,000, 44,000 and 40,000 people in the clinical trial. And with an, with an overwhelming signal of, of effect efficacy, that's the word. So I don't have any idea what he's talking about. let's back up there. Why wouldn't we tell the people if it doesn't work? I'll tell you why. Because progressives never admit when they're wrong. That's why. They never admit they got something wrong. They will always blame outside influences, weird circumstances, other political parties, but they will never admit they were wrong. Never. 
Berman again pressed Fauci on Carlson. How dangerous is it for a TV personality like that who does have an audience of millions to speculate about something like that? So rather than address Carlson's concerns about vaccines and continue mask wearing, the, the feckless doctor replied, quote, well, it's certainly not helpful to the public health of this nation or even globally. You know, I don't I don't want to get into arguments about Tucker Carlson, but to me, it's just, you know, it's counter to what we're trying to accomplish to protect the safety and health of the American public. Well, <laughs> as you might expect, Tucker Carlson fired back saying, for months now, we've been asking a very straightforward question about the coronavirus vaccine. Why do people who take it, and by the way, why do people who have been previously infected and show high levels of antibodies, have to live under the restrictions that the vaccines were supposed to eliminate? Why, for example, does Tony Fauci say you have to wear a mask after you get the vaccine? If we're following the science, and we sincerely hope to, hope to as we are wondering is Fauci telling Americans who have been vaccinated or who have been recovered have been recovered from the coronavirus itself that they aren't protected against future infections? Is that why he's saying they can't eat in restaurants or go to bars? These are not trick questions. Tucker Carlson makes some excellent points. Dr. Anthony Fauci would be wise to answer his questions. Is there the same questions millions of Americans are asking? Mir millions including myself and probably you why if the vaccines are working and we have the reports that the vaccines eliminate contagion eliminate the possibility of infection or infecting others why continue to wear masks and socially isolate why The answer to that is essentially the same as the answer to why CNN would throw those death numbers up. Fear. Manipulation. Keeping people frightened. And if you'll pay attention as you walk through your life today to who is wearing masks, and if you run across somebody who says, hey, you need to get that mask up over your nose, or hey, where's your mask? If you run into somebody who calls you out for not wearing a mask, is what I'm saying, then notice more about those people. And you'll probably put two and two together that they're getting their information from CNN and from the evening news on their, on their favorite news network and their local TV stations. I've been disheartened to see the reporting from local TV stations in my neighborhood. And from time to time, under the, uh, under the banner of the Daily Perspective podcast, I will comment. And I will, I will admonish them for being fear mongers. Because this is not adding up. The question's valid. Why? Why should we continue to isolate, to not live our lives, and to go back to life as normal if antibodies keep us from being infected or infecting other people, and the vaccine does as well? Why? It's a valid question that Americans should be asking.
and there should be a better response than blowing smoke. And that's all that's happening today is a lot of smoke is getting blown in our direction. And people like Dr. Anthony Fauci shaking their heads and basically adopting the attitude, well, all you poor ignorant people, you just don't understand how all this stuff really works. Here, let me straighten you out. And then he tells you something that has nothing to do with a real answer. I think the bottom line is this. When politicians realize that you're frightened, they will take advantage of that fear. Corrupt politicians, leftist politicians, they will take advantage of that fear in order to gain for themselves more power and more control. Because they know that a frightened population will beg them to do something about what frightens them. And they will release some of their liberty in order for security to be moved in its place. So they will trust government to fix a problem and be willing to wear masks and stay six feet away from everybody else, even if it's not necessary at all. Because it means the government's right and can be trusted and they're going to make sure we're safe. And a population that believes that is already being ruled. They've lost their liberty. But Americans tend to have lines that they don't like to have crossed. And I think we're seeing more and more they don't like being pushed into a corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Remember, they don't like being pushed into a corner and told they can't live their lives. We're beginning to see in Canada, where the restrictions have been even more draconian, where they have been so severe that people in restaurants are chasing health officials out, that church pastors are chasing the police and health officials out of their churches, that people are beginning to be fed up with the socialist mindset of ruling over the population. And they're taking their rights back from the government, or they're trying to. And although the news media is not reporting it, similar things are happening here in the United States as well, where people are fed up and they're, they've decided they're not going to take it anymore. And that's it for today. God bless you. Have a good one. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.